welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Uh, not breaking news. We're sitting here re- recording on Monday. We've had some time to digest it. But, Barton, there's uh, th- there's no need for us to try and, and set this up. There's no need for us to try and scheme up uh, anything too big. This is this is the kind of contest, Barton, where we just need to line up and run the ball off tackle. We got to stick to the we got to stick to the headlines because there's a lot going on in college football. Uh, starting with some fun in Gainesville. Yeah, uh, I guess that's where you begin. Uh, after I mean, there's so much that happened on the field. There were some great games, but when the defending back-to-back SEC East champion coach is fired, uh, I guess that's where you got to begin, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty. Uh, pretty notable yeah and we will don't worry we will be getting to ohio state's incredible comeback against penn state uh obviously the what the loss means for the nittany lions tcu falling to iowa state though i'm sure matt campbell's name will be coming up uh notre dame with a big statement win and we will take a look around the rest of the uh the power five conferences especially with uh the college football playoff selection committee rankings the first of that batch being revealed on Tuesday night, again, as we sit here recording on Monday. So on, on let's say, starting Saturday when things, like, I felt like on the field, Georgia started bullying Florida pretty early, right? Like, it was very clear early in that contest that uh, if you were looking for competitive football, you could look elsewhere in the 330 slate. Yeah, I think uh, based on me picking Georgia as one of my locks on Thursday, that was an expectation for me, and and they they handled business. I mean, that was that was total domination from a physical standpoint. When when I look back at the stats, they actually were they weren't as as egregious as I expected them to be. But it was just it was like the way they did it. It was just you know they if if they wanted to to throw the ball more, they could have. If they wanted to run the score up they probably could have done that uh they were disappointed that florida ended up getting seven points on the you know at the in the fourth quarter like that was an expectation for dominance that they carried out and georgia is just so far ahead of the rest of the sec east that and that was a a perfect descriptor of that i mean they, they it was dominant all right. So, at what point, either on Saturday or Sunday, did you think that the the Jim Mac the Jim McElwain era was done, and that you would not see him coach another game for the Gators? Well, it wasn't about that, right? Like it was about how the death threat situation started playing out, and then you go to GatorBait.com and you start to you know you read Thomas Goldcamp stuff, and you you read the reporting, and you. I didn't realize heading into this year, I knew that the fan base was very um, restless and, and uh, you know, unhappy, I guess, even with the situation of the coaching. But I didn't realize how much discord there was between Jim McElwain and the administration. And, and, and clearly there was a lot of discord, even heading into this year. And then when you cap it off with, basically accusing your fan base of uh, of sending death threats and then refusing to offer any 
further details, proof, what have you about it. Um, I think that, that at that point it sounds like <clears throat> that the that Florida was just done. They were just done with them. They were like, look, we're gonna. F- this is this this is now over. Like our this marriage is over. It's just a matter of of, of drawing up the papers. And when you lose like that to Georgia, there is you know no reason not to proceed as planned. So you know if maybe if he had like pulled off an upset, maybe things would be different. Maybe if he had kept it within a field goal or a touchdown, maybe things would be different. But this seems like a situation where even if they had lost by like. 14 to 20 points like I don't, it wasn't about the way they lost it sounds like it was about Jim McElwain just kind of being a jerk to the administration and and them getting sick of it I I think that there is a there is another world where he does not venture into uh the threats on Monday's press conference and he coaches the rest of the season and or maybe not the rest of the season you know maybe they get blown maybe they lose to Missouri like may, maybe uh, there's something else later that makes it more of an on-field uh, because you know if you're going to make the the key and we're going to jump into you know where Florida goes from here in a second but like if you're going to make uh, the offensive performance or the way that the offense has performed under Jim McElwain uh, sort of what a driving narrative of uh, the on-field part of this separation you know there would have been evidence for it it seems to me like maybe that was a foregone conclusion, and then the second that he had this misstep, that was when you know Flor- the University of Florida's lawyers and the you know the athletic department and administrators come together and they're like, hey, you know what? Like we we got a window right here if we want to move, and then you know whatever happens behind the scenes how Jim McElwain responds. Uh, obviously, the the interesting wrinkle of Jim McElwain's own agent also being a agent for uh, you know potential candidates for Florida moving forward. I, I think that this was uh, probably going to happen eventually, and then McElwain just accelerated the timeline with his mouth. I mean, Scott Strickland, the athletic director, said, point blank, this was about more than wins and losses. Um, so, you know, I think throughout all this, uh, you know, Jim McElwain can be so, sort of a gregarious guy and he can be sort of a standoffish guy. And I think we're finding out that at least in the in the context of Florida, the standoffish guy is a little bit more of his true personality. Um, you know, now that this now that this is all sort of playing out as it has, and now that it looks like Florida is is skeptical of his, his death threat claims, I think I can, uh, you know, I hope I'm allowed to say now that I'm disappointed that he wouldn't let us enjoy the shark stuff more. And that he tried to make us feel bad about laughing about the shark stuff. Shame on you, Jim. (laughs) Let us enjoy that. We deserved that. All right. That's right. We deserved a good laugh. And, And you know what? You know, it, we, we knew that for the most part, that was probably not you on that shark. All right. It's just not in line with what we expected. But man, it looked like you. And that was funny. That was really funny. Shame on you. Throw a wet blanket on our fun. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, so who is who brings the fun back to Florida? That's that is uh that is where that like there are already just a very quick, very fast list that has been put together uh, that is not very long from what I can tell. What's all right, what is your 
uh, maybe not thinking about where where it goes, but if you're Florida athletic director, where do you go? Just Barton Simmons, knowing what you know about the program from covering it for so long, and maybe even your own personal tastes allowed to get inserted here. What what would you do if you were Scott Strickland in this position? Uh, two calls for me, Dan Mullen and Scott Frost. Um, I think you know one big thing for me, like so. Florida, let's go back to the urban, like the last time there was a spread-based system in place among the big three in the state of Florida. I'm going to look into this. I'm going to write some on this. So if I'm wrong, I'll figure it out before uh, I write it. But like, look, Urban Meyer is the last one. Like uh, Al Golden, Mark Rick, Jimbo Fisher, uh, Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain, like all these guys are running these pro style systems in the state of Florida. And I get it, like that's fine. But look at Scott Frost down the road at UCF. Look at what you can do in the state of Florida when you have at best the fourth pick, and really with USF playing well, probably the fifth pick of the skill talent in the state of Florida. And look what you can do. I mean, they they have freshmen and sophomores that Scott Frost has recruited that he's putting in space that are absolutely running circles around everyone they play. And they're actually beating some decent teams. Um, unlike, you know, they, they beat Memphis by 27. You know, this is a team that is absolutely rolling. And I think Scott Frost is a star. I think he's young. I think he brings an offense that's exciting. That's ultimately what Florida needs is, a, is an offense – that gets this program jump-started again. Um, I think he can do that. So I'm interested in seeing what a spread system looks like in, in, in a Florida Big 3 program when you can recruit the best. You have the first pick out of the best skill talent in the best state for skill talent in America. So that's number one to me. The number two is Dan Mullen because what's the other problem Florida's had? They've never had a quarterback. Dan Mullen is as good as there is in college football in identifying developing quarterbacks. I think he's the second best coach in the SEC. I think he's only going to leave Mississippi State if he feels great about the opportunity to win a national title. I think you can do that, obviously, at Florida. Um, and obviously, he's got a relationship with the AD. So I don't go beyond those two names, honestly. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you've got any other out there that are, are enticing to you, but I love those two options. And I. I'm inclined to think you could get one of those two options. I, I, I'm going to be surprised if it's not. Uh, and and to, to your point, I think that uh, when I did some studio video for CBS on Sunday right after the news broke, I, I added Mike Norvell because Memphis's Mike Norvell is going to be on every list, right? Like, isn't yeah. Mike Norvell going to be like number two or three on pretty, for pretty much any Power Five job? He's just sort of in that springboard position right now. Yeah. I mean, now that he's. Uh, when he lost to UCF, then I wondered, like, okay, is it how how consistent is this team? But now that they've actually really won out, they've taken care of business where they needed to, you know, kill Tulane, beat Navy, like they've won some games that are against some, some quality teams. And I think Norvell's put himself right there in the mix. But uh, again, he's probably that a next step team. down. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And there look- doesn't seem to be as many of those of those like last year with. Taggart and Rule and um, 
P.J. Flack. I feel like there was a lot more of those second-tier coaches that were really enticing. And, and there doesn't seem as many. It's sort of Frost and Norvell. Herman, too. And Yeah, Herman last year. Yeah. yeah. No, it was it was a it was a much uh it, I feel like we we talk about uh like the AAC and the MAC and uh I guess to a lesser extent but still the Mountain West. We talk about it like uh it's the NBA draft. Like, ooh, not a great draft class this year, Barton. You know, it's really important that you get the top pick. <laughs> like yeah. this is this is uh this is a year where yeah, yes, absolutely Scott Frost is a star. And you know what, to your point, um he's young. But it's so funny because in in the world of you know thirty three year old Lincoln Riley like Kingsbury who I don't know he's probably only like thirty six now thirty seven thirty eight but uh, Scott Frost uh, young sure but like also forty you know uh, he's out here and he's he's put in a lot of time out at Oregon he's put in a lot of time sort of in the hustle and uh, for Dan Mullen and Scott Frost the the key to me. I'm, I'm totally agreeing with you. The key to me is just quarterback development. Uh, right. Dan Mullen, Dak Prescott, and now Nick Fitzgerald. For Scott Frost, you've got Marcus Mariota, and now you've got Mackenzie Milton, who is just absolutely tearing it up in his sophomore year. Like Instantly, either one of those two, from identifying the talent to developing it, you are having a tenfold upgrade at the University of Florida, which is uh, instantly going to make your offenses better. Seems easy. With Frost, the 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 resume is sort of insane, right? Like we all know what he did in college uh, as a player, and then he went to the NFL and he played. You know his his coaches that he played for: Bill Walsh, Tom Osborne, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, John Gruden. He's coached uh, defense at Northern Iowa. Yeah, that's off. right. He was a co DC there. Then he went to coach wide receivers and, and offensive coordinator under Chip Kelly. Like he he's seen the game on so many different levels and and through so many different really good eyes that I just think he's going to be a star and, and already is. So um, and, and we on uh, so I, yeah, I, Florida I think is in a great position to hire one of those guys and and blow the roof off this thing and. I think that's what happens. I think I think if they get one of those guys, that they're they're going to be back. All right. So there, as the um, national director of scouting, you know what what do you think? Uh, I saw Matt Corral had a tweet yesterday. You know, sort of telling Gator Nation he's still all committed to his recruiting class. You know, all the all the things that as a Florida fan, I'm sure you want to see. What does this What does this mean for Florida on the recruiting trail? Um, you know, when if. I guess they would probably have to wait for either one of these coaches to at least finish the regular season. But uh, you know, what does the early signing period look like? Do you think that this would lead to uh, a boost before National Signing Day? What's the what is the outlook uh, in terms of the recruiting and the long term making a coaching change right now? I think this is still. I mean, the the irony is, I've actually written this. I I think a big reason why Jim McElwain was fired well the biggest ride wasn't successful right is that he won with jim with will muschamp's defensive recruits he never developed offensively um his recruiting was average and he pissed off the administration and and ironically i mean he's had the worst three-year stretch not ironically but he has had the worst three-year stretch in my in like decades 
at Florida. And and that sounds bad, but it, it's it's still really good classes. It's just comparing them to the Urban Meyer days and the Will Muschamp days when they're constantly top five classes. Now they're top 15 classes. And the irony here is that this is the first year they actually have a – they're a top 10 class right now, seventh in the country, and they're, they're looking like it's going to be a really good class. So it's important to hold this group together. I think that they can – you know, a guy like Matt Corral – the quarterback recruiting situation is so unique that it's like, you know, where does a guy like that go now? Everyone else has got their quarterbacks committed. Ah, yeah. You know, it's it's okay. it's, a, it's a tougher if, – if that's your premier spot, you know, if Matt Corral's comfortable with who they hire, you know, there's no reason for him to bounce considering – I mean, he, I'm sure he could find a home. There's no question. He's talented. But it's like who's really pushing for him right now among the, the big dog? Because they've all got their guys. Right. Um, so – that's you know I think he's he's I, I I'm confident he's gonna sort of want to stick around and want a reason to stay. There's there's other guys in this class you know that are from the state of Florida. Randy Russell, really good safety. I like tweeted that they're gonna you know they're all sticking and gonna be solid. Um, Jamar Chase to me is the guy to watch. He's from Louisiana. TCU is 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 a good possibility for him. LSU is gonna push him hard. I think he's a five star type talent at receiver. That would be a big one to, to, to keep. But ultimately, I think this class is still a really good class. And, you know, if you get a big-time head coach, you know, whether it's either those two guys or someone else, you can, you can even if you lose guys, you can have a huge push towards signing day. Um, so to me, that's never really a concern when you make these changes. That's a great point about quarterbacks. I hadn't thought about that. Like, you've, you, do you really want to go uh, to someone you've already, like, told no to? Like, do you want to go back to a school that's moved on to another quarterback and then all of a sudden, you know, try and get them interested in you again? So it's, it's, it's a different math, I guess. Yeah. yeah and does a, does a school want to sort of roll the dice on a guy like that and upset the, you know, whoever they got committed after Matt Corral committed elsewhere? Um, it's just sort of a... Uh, sticky situation that's, that a lot of schools aren't going to worry about messing with. Hey, do you want to get to the on-field action? Let's do it, man. All right, cool. I thought you were about to give me like a, a SeatGeek read. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little confused there. Yeah, let's let's get into the real stuff here. There's a, it was a meaty weekend. It was a very meaty weekend, and again, you know, all all upended on Sunday. I didn't I I didn't think it would happen that quickly. I'll say that I it might have I thought it might have happened Monday. I thought it could have happened sometime during the week. I just didn't realize how quickly that thing would accelerate. I was sitting here on, uh, you know, and all of a sudden the fire drill was like, oh, no, this is happening like right now. Let's go. It was, uh, you know, as as fast as Jim McElwain was here, now he's gone. Um, All right, let's start with the Buckeyes and the Nittany Lions. Uh, Do you believe that JT Barrett – has um have you changed your mind on jt barrett as a player that can lead ohio state to a national championship this is going to come off a little haterish but i but no i haven't and i look jt barrett showed why urban meyer didn't want to move on from him on saturday night he showed why they have so much faith in him why he's so liked i He's a lovable guy as a quarterback. Like he's a he's a guy you want to root for, and he he showed that. Like he was tough, he was accurate, he was, 
you know, he was he made big plays in the clutch, showed great leadership. He was awesome. He was unbelievable. But to me, I was more impressed with the way Kevin Wilson and the play calling evolved than I was with the way JT Barrett evolved. Because ultimately, they just gave him like great options. Like he had a lot of guys open. Like he, they schemed that like the the scheme was so sound, and there are so many wide receivers running free that I don't think JT Barrett ever had to prove to us the thing that we don't know, which is can he like be a really precise down the field accurate thrower and. He hit some balls, but a lot of them were wide open receivers, um, and a lot of them were crossing routes that he was accurate on, and and that counts for something too. So I'm not ready to say, okay, we've got our answer on JT Barrett's lineup, Alabama. Let's go. Like I still, I think I-, I can still get there because they have, they still have to play who Michigan State, Michigan, right? Um, you know, those are teams that have the defensive secondary and, and to really test you. And probably, frankly, I don't know, that, that might be a reach. I mean, I don't know if Michigan State's secondary is better than, than Penn State's. But, I mean, Penn State's are a, I don't a know. I don't know, if Michi- I don't know if Michigan's secondary right now is playing as well yeah. as Penn State's secondary. That's, that's true. Um, so, this is yeah, huge. It, it's, it, but I, I thought Kevin Wilson won me over more so than, than JT Barrett. I always thought JT Barrett could lead this team to a Big Ten championship. To me, it was the next step. It was the it was the national title that I had questions about. And while I loved what he showed us, and he is deservedly should be in the Heisman conversation, I don't know if I got an answer to to that. I uh, I agree with you, and I, I missed my lock on this. It was a terrible call on the lock, but what I was did your lock. My I had Ohio State. Under? Oh, you had Ohio State. Yeah, oh, okay. and uh, and I I just. I think that my, my line that I was dropping for it was, I think that Ohio State's going to win this game, but even though JT Barrett was the story, so I was wrong about that, but it was a performance that reminded me, and I think a lot of the rest of the country, of just how nasty Ohio State is everywhere else on the roster. Yeah. We get so focused, because the quarterback position is uh, not only key for any team, but also for an Urban Meyer coach team, and particularly for this Ohio State team, where uh, struggles at the quarterback position have been reasons why they have not won some of these gr- these big games against great teams. But like that Ohio State defense in the second half was penetrating. They were just... like I. I don't know right now. I think Ohio State's defensive line is great, but I'm a little bit concerned that Penn State's offensive line might just not be good and that uh, Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley's playmaking ability has done a lot to mask that. And all Ohio State did, because they were able to get it a lot of times with just their front four, with your you know, Nick Bosa, Sam Hubbard, Taekwon Lewis, Tremont Jones, they were getting in there, letting uh, Jerome Baker and Chris Worley like fly to the ball. It just seemed like that was one of those games where after the initial push, you know, once things got settled in in the second half, uh, the Buckeyes won that game for me. And like JT Barrett, like the, like you said, it is a player who as long as he spent in the program and as much heat as he's taken to see him have you know four touchdowns and just six incompletions like to put together that kind of clean game uh, 13 to 13 in the fourth quarter oh my god he had 16 straight completions at one point um 
yeah, you know, that was that was an awesome performance. But as we're judging Ohio State moving forward, I thought that this was uh this was an awesome showing for that group in particular. And like like you said, I mean Saquon, like it's funny, like I, I was writing something for this for CBS and through through the first half I was teed up to write Oh, your column got changed. Yeah, I was teed up to write Penn State is proving to us they're they're more than just a a playoff contender. They're a national title contender, Um, and and then Penn and then Ohio State's defense just ramped up the intensity. I mean, Saquon Barkley. I was also as part of that story. I was also writing like when you have the best player in the field, you know, ask Cam Newton, ask Jameis Winston, ask you know whoever. You've always got a chance, and Saquon Barkley's the best player on the field because you know at that point he had had the long touchdown run, he had had the kickoff return for a touchdown, they had had a short field that was uh, that that was caused by Ohio State kicking away from Saquon Barkley that allowed another touchdown. He had affected the game so much in that first half, but then in the second half you look up and the story is less Saquon Barkley, it's how that Ohio State defensive front shut him down i mean 44 44 yards on 20 word carries i think i heard somewhere that he had nine carries for a loss um i mean that's just we'll take away the take away the 36 yard uh touchdown run and so it's uh 21 for 44 but outside of that one it's eight net yards on the other 20 carries right right you know and so that's that that's what this Ohio State defense <clears throat> has been. You know, that's sort of what we've been expecting from them this year. That's what we've and they've shown it obviously in their their five and a run here recently. But to me, that like the the story from this Ohio State team is like they've they're kind of getting on a roll. Like yeah. I know that they've been like they're they're getting a rhythm. Their defense is in a better rhythm. Their coordinators are in a better rhythm. Their quarterbacks in a better rhythm. And I also felt like in that first half, the one thing I took away, like from the first half, often offensively for Ohio State, was like, okay, J.K. Dobbins has got every bit the juice that, like, the best backs in college football have when he touches the ball. Like that's their offense. What I was, I was thinking, like, oh man, like when, when J.K. Dobbins touches the ball, man, they're good. And and obviously as the game progressed, more guys got involved. But um, there's just a lot that Ohio, a lot, there's just so many weapons for Ohio State, like you said. And I think that they proved that. The uh, all right. So as you're playing out the Buckeyes the rest of the way, what's your where's your confidence? You know, going up against the likes of Michigan State, Michigan uh, facing Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. Where do you see uh, things potentially tripping up? Because I mean, I it, given the current state, even and uh, let's we'll, we'll maybe hit it in a second. But like Brandon Peters comes in, gets Michigan's offense, gives them a little bit of spark. That's a little interesting. But there's just no way I look at any of the offenses that are left on uh, Ohio State's regular season schedule. And if they just did that to Penn State, given like you mentioned, uh, short field on the kickoff, kickoff return touchdown. There was the Paris Campbell fumble that gave Penn State another. Uh, sort of quick turnaround score opportunity. I just I I don't see any offense that comes anywhere close to Penn State. And if Ohio State's defense can do that against the Nittany Lions, then I I just think it's that is a group that they can ride all the way into the playoff. Yeah, I mean I I don't know maybe Wisconsin's your 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 hope because maybe they can control the ball. I think 
that they can because rhythm is uh, important you're right you've got like to beat ohio state i think you you do need to play some keep away because the more touches that jt barrett gets like the more touches that offense gets they do get into a rhythm it builds up with like a i, I mean is that just part i guess that's just a, a wrinkle of the tempo offense right yeah uh, yeah i mean i, I just I, I don't know like if you just if you're starting to sort of um press on every possession if you're getting frustrated then that just that just takes a toll and there are some teams that are capable of that I mean Iowa Michigan State Michigan are all capable of that I just uh yeah I mean I like you said Chip I, I just don't know if, I mean how, how can you have confidence in those teams to really test test this Ohio State team but look I, I do think they've got a, another test to go I, I do think we're gonna have <clears throat> we're gonna find out more about JT Barrett and if they run the table and, and look impressive in these last four games, three of which I think are against quality opponents, then I might start to change my mind and and and, and think about and sort of re-double down on my preseason pick that they would win the title because that's they, they're capable of getting on one of these one of these runs and they they may just be on one. Um. Uh. By the way, you see the opening line for Alabama LSU. No. What was it? Twenty-one and a half. 21 and a half and by the way our uh our, what's your what's your what's your gut as that comes out oh uh, especially because we're gonna be uh on the pregame halftime and postgame show absolutely alabama yeah just just come out just come out hot on screen calling for a blowout so all right a lot of a lot of good games to get to but I, since we're on the big 10 i i, I do want to get your take on on the new brandon peter's Michigan team. Mm, I'm what, I'm very where, where very at? very very wary, very 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 wary <laughs> of what an offensive spark against Rutgers means for a team moving forward right. against the rest of its schedule. It's right. nice, you know what? Like I'm I what was it? Uh, I think he they got touchdowns on each of the first three possessions he was in there. Like That's he got right. he got in, and it really was like a good spark. And and Michigan's. Michigan's roster has talented individuals that with like just a few inches difference, you know, or a few different clicks on the, on the settings, you just, you can see how things could uh, take a big step moving forward. I just, um, I'm very wary. What about you? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'm also wary because it didn't, to me, look like some new team. Brandon Peters didn't look like some world beater. Right. Uh, you know, he's he kind of scrambled, made a couple nice throws outside the pockets. He also had a, at least one play I saw where it was just a total, you know, just on a just on a handoff. He just totally like went the wrong way. Um, he was he was a little out of sync at times, but he did. I think he's got more um, gumption to him. Like he's got a little bit more, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just, just jerk to him, you know. Like he's just out. He's, like he's a got an edge. Expects to win a little bit of yeah, a little bit of edge to him. I think yeah. Uh, and I so in that sense, I don't think this is some some new team. But I also want to like, I do think he's clearly the better than John O'Corn, and I do think that there's no there's no reason he shouldn't have been battling for that backup job and, and in there well before this, uh, you know, I think Jim Harbaugh is a little stubborn on this one. And I think that'll, that'll bear out that he is the better quarterback and he is the backup. So 
so no, I, I don't feel like he is now a threat. That Michigan is now a threat to Ohio State, but I think we've got a couple games to change our mind on that. You know, he can settle in against Minnesota and Maryland. Then they got at Wisconsin, and that's that might be the kind of runway he needs to get confident, settled, and 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 get this Michigan team looking different. So I'm 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 reserving judgment that they might not be a different team by by Ohio State game because I do think he has that sort of ceiling and, and upside uh, even this year. I I think that even um, yeah I will see I I again I am not. A paying customer of the John O'Corn fan club, and I am not subscribing to his newsletter, and I do not think Michigan is at its best with him at quarterback. So I'm, I'm interested, right? Just intrigued, yes, interested and intrigued. Interested. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, all right. So what do you think uh, elsewhere in Big Ten action before we get out of here? Um, the Northwestern knocks off Michigan State in triple overtime. Michigan State. A limited team, a good, solid football team, but to me, their limitations offensively have always left the door open for this kind of loss, uh, and it coming at Northwestern feels about right. I picked this one in our in our experts' picks. Finally, Northwestern, you know, I was so bullish on them before the season. I picked them to win the West. Uh, I knew they would get somebody eventually, and and Michigan State's the type of team they get. Michigan State is is they can get up in a big game and beat anybody, but they can lose to to Northwesterns of the world, and yeah. and they will and did. So that that was about right. I lost my lock on Indiana. Expected more out of them. Um, and then Tanner Leaf, <laughs> Nebraska. Four thirty-one and two. Goodness, finally Tanner. Tanner Lee believers are finally getting their due. It's paying off. Archie Manning's seal of approval is shining on this Monday morning. Looking at Tanner Lee's performance in the win against Purdue. Good for Nebraska. Good for Nebraska. Four and four. uh, Let me. I'll 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 throw a uh, a a shot. I'll I'll call a shot right now. What about Nebraska coach Jim McElwain? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, doesn't that just feel like the same? Like, oh yeah, oh if yeah. I, if, I, like, oh, if yes. I'm a Nebraska fan, I guess why I'm laughing. Like, can you imagine if they hired Jim McElwain? Yeah, like that's just another like sort of buzzkill hire. Yeah, uh, he gets run out of town of Florida. The guy that's not good enough for for Florida is is we're supposed to accept and be happy about. It's gonna be a brutal. It's gonna be a brutal cycle for Nebraska fans yeah. to watch Scott Frost go somewhere else. Because I, my hunch, I don't, I don't know Scott Frost. I've not had any conversations with him about this. My hunch is he's not gonna go to Nebraska. Yeah, I know. I just think he's too, I, like, he, I just think he sees the challenges there, and I think he's he's smart enough to want to go somewhere that he's got the best shot of being successful. And I just don't know, especially with his offensive system, that the answer there is Nebraska. You don't have no. Nah, you do not give yourself the best chance to win a national championship in 2017 by going to take the Nebraska job, especially if you're an offense built on skill, skill, skill talent. Yeah, that's a tough. To, I mean, they'll, they'll get some guys. Nebraska has some guys right well, now. And, and Nebraska goes into California, and he's recruited the West Coast for a long time. Like, look, I can if I'm a Nebraska fan, I see how I've talked myself into a delirium right. of thinking that right. it's happened. 
but it's not. Yes. I don't think so. Yes. I don't you think can so. you can make an analytical argument that that Scott Frost will go to Nebraska, but you can make a better one that is a bad spot for him. And yeah. I think and I think he will will make that better argument and and go somewhere like uh, Florida, UCLA, something like that, or stay, or stay. And yeah, then, he's he's. In, I don't think he's in any rush. Yeah, and and not they're not like, they're going to be just as good next year as they are this year, if not better. And I mean, he could get. If they keep this thing rolling, he could get any job in the in the country. So if he's got a if he's got a dream job, he's waiting to come open. He can he can get it. Mm. Um, I, over the weekend, uh, Will Brinson, uh, NFL writer for CBS Sports, and a whole bunch of other friends, uh, they, they they did it up for Notre Dame at NC State. They uh, they got they went into Chicago. They got a party bus to take them from Chicago into South Bend to go to the game. Outcome, which we'll get to in a little bit, wasn't great. But you know the the ticket buying plan for these kind of trips is always really tough. So I told Will, I said, hey man, you got to get to SeatGeek. Told him, download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code 24-7 because that's how you get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See, with SeatGeek, they have the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events with a seamless mobile experience where you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed, so you don't have to worry about getting any kind of fraudulent tickets everything fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence to get the most bang for your buck SeatGeek actually gives a grade to every single ticket based on value so you can immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget make it your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket sports got it concerts got it comedy got it theater got it and best of all you can get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code 24-7 today. That's promo code 24-7 for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So things did not go the Wolfpack's way in South Bend. Uh, no, no. Are you that- coming out of that with stronger feelings about Notre Dame or NC State? Uh, I, I, I honestly... Well, it, it wasn't as bad of a beatdown as the score appeared. Right. Uh, right? Agreed. No, it was it was a much more competitive game that I just – I really think that uh, there were a lot of breaks that didn't go NC State's way, you know? I think I come away more impressed with Notre Dame than disappointed NC State because ultimately they did – you know, Josh Adams did rush for, what, 200-plus? Yeah. Um, and that offensive line did handle the NC State defensive front, which is among the best in college football – so I still feel like Notre Dame is like have they had a game like so I'll, I'll put it this way I've got Notre Dame third in my rankings. Ooh, sick. Behind Alabama I, and Georgia? Yeah, I think sick. they've earned that. Uh I think I think the resume says that and the teams they played, you know, look, like I said it may not have been as bad as the score but they did win that game handily. They did beat USC handily, and they do have a, a, a schedule the rest of the way to, to continue to prove they should be ranked that high. Um, but I don't get the same feel from a Notre Dame that I do from a Georgia or, or especially an Alabama team in the sense of like I still get a, a one-sided sense from them. And I don't know if that's fair. Like, I don't know. Like, I still I, – I don't – I thought I thought this was a good Brandon Wimbush game. 
He didn't. Yeah. Uh, he. I think he only finished. Uh, I think he he didn't throw for a whole bunch of yards, but I felt I felt like he had to make some third down and some red zone throws that he stepped up and made, and uh, and that was big. And and like Josh Adams ran for two hundred yards. Like here, here's the two ways of cutting that. Uh, a lot of that was on a seventy-seven yard touchdown run. Um, but that 77 yard touchdown run came later in the game, which is like the whole MO of Notre Dame is like, right. like he, that's, that's like standard for him. Right. He's had a bunch of those this year. So when you have a bunch of them, it's not, it's not like some sort of a fluke, right? We just, we're going to lean on you. We're going to lean on you. We are committed to this running game. Uh, it's not just Josh Adams. We've also got Wimbush. We've got Dexter Williams. We've got, uh, what's the other dude's name? Uh, Macintosh too. So it's yeah. like they they have a star in Adams, but the whole ground attack behind that offensive line just wears you down. And then come third, fourth quarter, they just ice you. So it's like yeah, no, NC State did a good job against, you know, standing up against a very, very good Notre Dame offensive attack, a powerful offensive attack for about three and a half quarters. And then they let some big runs loose. But. That's exactly what Notre Dame does well, and that's why they're in the national championship conversation. The thing that it really, I really was that I was really impressed by in Notre Dame is, and we've, you know, we're unabashed in our affection for Mike Elko, but it's, I continue to be impressed not only with their the way their front seven has taken a big step forward, but their their DBs looked really good over the weekend, like yeah. they. I thought they made a lot of plays at corner. If 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 they're going to have that kind of play out of their secondary, then I continue to think they can beat just about anybody. Um, so when you got that kind of run game and you can you can move the ball like that, you know, there's and and you can you can shut down the pass and and make other teams one dimensional. And I mean, it's just there, there's a lot there's a lot going on here with Notre Dame. And so um, I I came away pretty impressed with them. Uh, and also of of note, Naheem Hines leaving the game with an injury was huge. Like you can't you can't use that as an excuse for the win. But uh, when when NC State needed yard needed big plays later in the games, they were missing one of their best players. Uh, and you know, well, I'm my my big fascination now is what happens with the Wolfpack as they come home hosting Clemson this coming weekend with the ACC Atlantic Division on the line. Um, this is a uh, it's a, it's a big spot. It's a big turnaround. I don't know if they're going to be healthy enough. I don't know if this loss lingers. I uh, as you know, I look at Clemson from its performance against Georgia Tech, and I just I thought that was a gentlemanly win. And the fact that Kelly Bryant's getting a little healthier, I'm I'm starting to feel uh, a little bit more confident in where Clemson's at right now. I am not as if I'm a Clemson fan, I'm not as afraid of the trip to Raleigh as I was at this time last week. No, yeah, but but ultimately, I still look at this Clemson team and eight point win against Auburn. Um, you know, big win against Louisville, who's not that great. One handily against BC, fourteen points against Virginia Tech, fourteen points against Wake, lost to Syracuse, fourteen points against Georgia Tech. I, you know, I, they're good. They're good, but I. We we had in our head that this was another juggernaut. It's not a juggernaut, but it's they're not a very juggernaut. good team. They're a good team, and um, 
perhaps we should have seen through. I don't know when we were yelling about there. You know, only two teams in college football: Alabama and Clemson. It was after Louisville. Before it was after Louisville. Before Louisville okay. got run out of the building by Boston College. Because I think the you know as as we started getting into the, to the wake part of the schedule, we should have started to understand like yeah that's you know so this is this is this team is like you mentioned I mean they did what they had to do against Georgia Tech another rainy night that Georgia Tech has to you know has to deal with but um, I'm not like this will be a good game I'm I'm interested in this game I I think this these are two pretty evenly matched teams is sort of my inclination um, and maybe Clemson's a little bit better but I don't think they're a lot better. So uh, to me, this will be a. Uh, I'm 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 very. I think this is a, still a very losable game for Clemson. I had a lot of fun um, texting my friends in Chapel Hill. Uh, I was doing like a, a believability. I was trying to take take the temperature and take the pulse inside of uh, a, a sleepy Keenan Stadium. Wanted to <laughs> see like at what point in the game whether they thought that the scrappy redshirt sophomore Nathan Elliott third string quarterback was going to come in here and do this thing and uh and I look Miami left the door open uh I thought Malik Malik Rozier finished with uh 356 yards but I thought he was bad I didn't I didn't think he played very well I thought he was off on a lot of throws Uh, I know he got treated for shoulder injury here that this is a this was a Miami game that if it were not for uh, North Carolina's incredible all-American ability at tripping over itself and shooting itself in the foot uh, definitely could have been an upset. But I'm, I are you concerned, or what is your? How much you trust Miami right now? Are we getting into fraudulent alert territory? For sure, absolutely. This is, a, I mean, let's go. Like, I mean, had a big second half against Duke. Beat a Florida State team on a on a last second throw that is, you know and that that win is looking. I still think you know Florida State had they won that game maybe the Florida State looks different now. We'll get to them. Um, Georgia Tech probably should have lost. Syracuse, you know, not not a pretty sight. North Carolina, who's a bad who's North Carolina football team, just bad. Yeah, you a know, bad team. So. So there's not a lot. There's not a lot to give you confidence about Miami. You could still think that, like, suspect that this is a team when it gets it all rolling is really good. But I don't know that how, how you can be confident in it. Like, I, like this weekend, Virginia Tech. Uh, give me. I don't even know what the line is, but I'm I'm going to take the, the Hokies. Yeah, me too. Better football team. Yeah, a lot better football team. So, yeah, Miami's. Miami's getting pretty close to fraudulent. Miami's defense is not fraudulent. Manny Diaz's group kept them in that game because North Carolina was moving the ball, but then they just kept getting those turnovers. Uh, they got some turnovers on downs because Larry Fedora is in um, fake everything mode of the season where he's just like, he's calling the swing swinging gate on like fourth and 16 instead of uh, kicking the field goal. It's... Uh, Turnover chain was out and it uh, and it led Miami to a victory. Yeah, I th- I think Miami's a ten Miami's a fine ten and two team with a great defense and some good skill players. And I and the two losses are going to come in the next four weeks. So, can we talk about Florida State? Oh yeah. <laughs> Here's I was thinking about this. This Florida State team, like 
this is starting to feel like hey, you know you're out on the playground with your buddies and somebody trips and and takes a big fall and it's hilarious and everybody's pointing and laughing and then you realize that that the dude broke his leg and you and all of a sudden like what was what was funny at first is like oh oh man oh you broke your leg oh sorry dude it's yeah. like oh hey like they like they almost lost a Louisville or they lose a Louisville and, and they lose a Miami in the last second threat play and they lose NC State and oh it was a seven point game against Duke oh man Florida State man you guys what's going on with y'all and then it's like ugh. 35 to 3 against Boston College? Never like, competitive. Like Oh, this got serious. This is uh yeah, this is bad. This is really they really quit. really bad. They quit. They look like they didn't want to be there. And mm. offensively there's a lot going on. Like to me there's in some ways this is a this team is a um indictment on like the the pro style offense because if, if you know, they have a lot of talented freshmen and they can't really plug and play them given the injuries because the offense is, is harder for them to pick up. Like I'm inclined to think if, if these injuries were taking place at, I don't know, um, Oregon, you know, then and you're plugging in these players. You're plugging in DJ Matthews and James Blackman and Cam Akers, and those guys will pick up the offense easier, and 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 you can get, be successful quicker. You know, and I just wonder if they're if if they are because of the injuries, they're having a hard time getting these guys prepared as effectively. I don't know. That's just sort of like a, a thinking out loud theory, but like. There's no excuse for this. Like they shouldn't beat, they shouldn't lose to BC thirty-five to three, no matter how checked out they are. Uh, and it just they they were just inept. They just couldn't get anything going on offense. This was one of the worst loss. This might be the worst loss of Jimbo Fisher's head coaching career. It's got to be. I hadn't looked at the the freaking his the archives, but it's got to be right. Yeah. Now he he doesn't have a whole lot of losses. You know he you know straight from coaching waiting like this is this is being compared to bad losses at the end of the Bobby Bowden era. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's not going anywhere. Jimbo Fisher is the head coach, but this is, um, this is horrendous. And I, you know, someone tried to draw this comparison going into the Boston college game. Um, And if it was you, I apologize, but like somebody was, uh, somebody made it the point that there might be some uh, Notre Dame 2016 going on with Florida state. And in that same way, like it was being pitched as, you know, the future could be bright here. You know, we could be spending so much time piling on. There could be so much, so many issues uh, within that program that, you know, if Jimbo Fisher, like Brian Kelly did, you know, makes a few big time staff changes, changes things up behind the scenes, all of a sudden, what we know to be a very talented roster could come back like Notre Dame did in 2017. And, you know, you're four and eight one year, but then you're competing for a title the next do you think that Florida State has that in them? Because I was on the theory before Boston College, and then after Boston College, I think that this is uh, this could be worse. No, I no, I I think I do still have that theory. I I, but here's the like to me, this is a credit to Brian Kelly and an indictment on Jimbo Fisher because as Brian Kelly was going through that last year, 
proud program going four and eight. Every game was a close loss. Yeah, that that sucks that you're losing all those close games. But Brian Kelly's team showed up and kept on playing every week. Jimbo Fisher didn't get his guys to show up for this game. Mm. And and I think that that is that is that makes you appreciate more what Brian Kelly did last year. Not that you know how much can you appreciate in a four and eight season, but look, they kept competing, and it, it and it it's I think exposed a little bit Jimbo Fisher's inability to do that. And I'm not going to put it all on Jimbo Fisher, but clearly, so what what did Brian Kelly do after a four and eight season? Is he he totally overhauled his staff? He looked in the mirror and he said there there's some changes that have to be made. And he made them. And I, I think that's a huge, huge credit to him. Mm. Jimbo Fisher's got to do that now. And I think if he does that and, and gets some, some new energy on the staff and makes some real wholesale changes, there's no reason to think that they've recruited at a high level. Th- those recruiting rankings are not bunk. Like He's going to have dudes next year, and they can easily be – 10 and 2 next year. I, I believe that. I mean, I, I thought that they would could respond after DeAndre Francois injury after Alabama. So maybe I shouldn't believe in Florida State anymore. But there's no reason to think they can't be a, an elite national power again next year because they've got too much talent. Yeah. I'm but will Jimbo Fisher do it? I, I he's got to. I mean, he's got to. He's got to understand what's going on right now. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. But I mean, hey, he, he's a stubborn guy. So I think that the the loyal the loyalty issues it would make sense to me that they are still lingering from uh maybe a sense of complacency that was developed when Florida State lit the world on fire with Jameis like yeah. the the national championship season was one of the most dominant college football teams in terms of margin of victory that we have ever seen i think they broke Oklahoma's uh, like Sam Bradford Oklahoma's record for margin of victory like I think that I mean that team blew everyone out and then the next one they'd get caught in all these close games and they would still come back and figure out ways to make plays I mean I could I could totally see the way that Florida State was executing during that stretch just sort of built up an everything's good mentality you know Clemson goes on a run so I guess if you're Florida State you're like well you know they got Deshaun Watson you know, hey, you know, hey, that's a that's a team that's playing along Alabama. You know, we'll we'll get our shot again. So this is, you know, they the window opened for Florida State to jump back into the driver's seat of the ACC, and they weren't ready. Um, yeah, I'm 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 very interested to see if Jimbo is uh, is willing to to make the same kind of changes Kelly did. He's got to do it. Got to. What else we got? All right, I think we got to go to the Big Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> The big lock. weekend in the Big Twelve. Big weekend in the Big Twelve. Um, so your, I, I am eating crow for oh, for my Iowa State comments, right? Oh man, I was such a hater. <laughs> Are you I was, still I was a hater too? Okay. <laughs> um, and you know what? Maybe maybe this is uh, as Tom Fernelli mentioned. Maybe it's like this is just TCU's bad game, um, and and Kenny Hill was awful. You know, and TCU. But Chip, we were saying that all year about TCU. We were saying, yeah, like TCU is really good, but man, this is like, like we kept expecting the old Kenny Hill to, to rear his head, oh, and then yeah. as he didn't, as it got into like, like this week was finally the week 
where it was no longer like, yeah, like if Kenny Hill can just, you know, not make mistakes, it became no longer that. It became Kenny Hill's this new quarterback that doesn't make mistakes, and that's the difference. And this, and and then comes the week where Kenny Hill just puts a couple of balls on the platter and <laughs> he did you know like yeah this is this is the reason we were skeptical all year on tcu and sure enough it it, it happened um are you so what about the where's the belief in iowa state i don't know i mean it was an ugly game like i believe in matt campbell like i want to make sure that's clear like i have total confidence that he's a legit legit coach and I really like this team. They're scrappy. They figure out ways to win. Uh, they they believe like, but I still don't like. I don't know. Like, what's like? What are we? What are we talking about with Iowa State? Here, like, I, I think so, that they can win the Big Twelve. Like, do I like? I, I like. I don't think they'll win the Big Twelve. Well, all right, you've uh, got head-to-head wins against Oklahoma or TCU. So if they find themselves in a, in a tie for second or third, like. If they finish with uh, just one conference loss, right now they're four and one in conference play. If they finish with just one conference loss, then I think that that if they finish with just one Which more means conference if they loss, beat, if they if they win at West Virginia and Oklahoma and beat Oklahoma State, and I guess we'll say Baylor's an easy win, and then at Kansas State, like there's like so if so that's a big if is what I'm saying. Like if they went out, then. I think that's, I think if they even have only one loss, all right. So that's right. So we're six and two overall, four and one in conference play. You just laid it out at West Virginia, home against Oklahoma State, at Baylor, at Kansas State. I think going three and one in that stretch might be good enough to make the Big Twelve championship game based on head to head advantages with Oklahoma and TCU. Yeah, I I, I think that that is conceivable do you think they, do you weird. think they go three and one i think that they could go three and one i yeah. don't think so I've, I've got losses next two weeks i mean i don't ex- i don't know that i expect them to go three and one but i think that they could um it's just such a weird team like they i mean that tcu game was just they just sort of hung in there and grinded and just figured it out Oklahoma, they, you know, they, I almost, I, I don't know. I can't decide. Like, I can't decide whether I should be giving them credit or, or knocking these other teams. Like, the Oklahoma game felt like a game Oklahoma lost more than, T- than Iowa State won. Like, just get off blocks in the perimeter. I don't know. Like, I, just, just make a, you know, make a play on a 50 50 ball. That just, might be that might be harsh. Like that may, that might be just the wrong way to look at this. I just I'm having a hard time looking at this Iowa State team and being like, oh yeah, they're a top, they're they're one of the 15 best teams in college football. Like, wait, I don't see that. I and you know what I I just think that uh, like given what given the uh, experience I guess that I saw uh, from Morgantown this past weekend with Oklahoma State and West Virginia, Cyclones don't have the horses to hang with those two teams. Yeah, but West Virginia, though, I, I don't really trust them either. Like, I'm really mad at myself for picking them to beat Oklahoma State. Um, their their defense is their defense is is questionable at best. <laughs> <laughs> you know, man, we we flip flop. I do it too, but we flip flop on uh, Tony Gibson. 
I well, feel no, like, I, look, I, I still believe in Tony Gibson. Agreed. And that's part of the reason why I've been like on West Virginia is I keep on expecting the defense to sort of like get better as the season progresses. They really haven't this year. That's not I, Tony Gibson's got my confidence. I still, but but this 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 unit is not is not what it's been the last couple of years. Well, they don't. All right. So who's who's the NFL player out there? Who's the, the Dar- David Long uh, kid? Uh, like, is there a Daryl Worley on this team? I mean, they got a, they've got an individual player or two that that, but I think up front they're just not as they're not as active as they've been in the past, and that's sort of what it's about for them. Um, but I, you know, I, but but still, West Virginia is like because of the way they can score points. You know, they're. <laughs> You don't mark that one down for Iowa State by any stretch. You don't just say like, there's a W. I mean that's so. It's a there's a it's gonna be a fun run here. West I still Virginia- can't believe given all these given all of these Iowa State wins now, I can't believe they couldn't take care of business against Texas on a Thursday night, the one that we've been calling since the summer. And they, they get beat that one and just looked ugly. I guess that was where we're still in the Jacob Long um, or Jacob Parks uh, days at quarterback. That was, I mean, that was that was also uh, the beginning of us us realizing uh, Texas's defense. That's what's up. Yeah, man, Texas. T- that that was a. I mean, I know Baylor's winless, but for Texas to take care of business like that, I thought was was um, impressive. I agree. I mean, never just, never a doubt. Nah, we were we were looking at Baylor and thinking that this was going to be. Uh, this was going to be a spot. I think maybe Tom had the under on that game, and we, you and I were both very skeptical because it, it definitely had the 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 smell of a shootout, um, and Baylor couldn't move the ball at all. Yeah, uh, Oklahoma State fifty to thirty nine. We referenced it earlier. I I this game was it was pretty much everything that you would hope for for some on brand Big Twelve back and wackiness. forth wackiness. Yeah, right. Yeah. I yeah, just, it, it, yeah. This is this played out about like, you know, we sh- I, I should have expected. I don't again. I don't know why I picked Virginia to win that game, but that this is that you know the, the maybe the storyline here is just that Justice Hill got hurt and JD King as a true freshman was just was really good running the football. They leaned on him a lot for Oklahoma State. Um, I don't know where like is Oklahoma State a team that you can see backdooring into the college football playoffs? Like are they that good? Can they go out here, can they finish the deal and, and win the Big 12? No. I have so much more confidence um in Oklahoma than Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma is that, So wins is that, that where you're at now? Do you think Oklahoma comes out of this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I I like every time that we get uh, a Trey Sermon or a CD a good CD Lamb game uh, Rodney Anderson, the running back, has really emerged for them. That's like, you know, I I guess we, we just have to get used to this with the the Lincoln Riley era. There's there's so many opportunities uh, to emerge as a skill position player that if you, you know, if, if you make the most of that, then you can be a very very effective offensive player. Um, you know, and in that among the the teams at the top right there, uh, I'll I'll take the. I'll I'll take what I the offense that I trust the most to be well rounded, balanced, but also still uh, super productive uh, out of the Oklahoma Oklahoma State TCU. You know, it's weird. We really haven't seen uh, an Oklahoma defense be stifling since like week two against Oklahoma, Ohio State. Agreed. Like, yeah, we have not. Which is 
you know, which we were, I thought we, this was a new era of defense for, uh, for Oklahoma. I mean, a new season anyways, after that Ohio state game. And, and maybe this is just a credit to the big 12 being a big, uh, you know, a, a really good offensive conference. But, um, I've, I have Oklahoma fourth in my rankings because I think you, we're going to have to grill Cannell on this if we get him this week. But um, to his point on that, I think you got to give them credit for that Ohio State win. Uh, and now with Iowa State looking better, that is a much much more defensible loss. Ooh. Uh, and so I've, I actually moved them up based in part on Iowa State's win. Um, but... I still don't necessarily feel confident in them because of like in, in from a like a playoff perspective because of that defense. But that defense even against Texas Tech settled in, you know? Like that game was got that game got loose real quick and then Shimanek kinda calmed down as the game went on. You're right. And maybe I'm just sort of you know, when they, when the score was whatever it was in that first half, and I was sort of looking up and being like, man, they're not stopping these guys. Well, that, And that was the same story as the Kansas State game. Well, Kansas State also got some big late touchdowns too. Ah, man, no, nah, the defense hasn't looked great. Sorry, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, anytime that Alex Delton is running free for touchdowns, that's not a, that's not a sign of an elite championship caliber defense. No, I'm, no. I'm, I'm all on the offense at this point. And then, like, with again, if we're just talking about the landscape of the Big 12 – especially in a Big 12 championship game, who among those teams do you trust the most to show up and execute? Are you asking me? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was like... Was that, was that rhetorical or are you asking me? Uh, I, I, I'm assuming your answer is Oklahoma. You've got them number four in your rankings. So Yeah, but, I, but I, that's partially based on what they've earned, though. I still don't know, like, let's, is, is this weekend Bedlam? Yeah. Like, I don't know that I... Who do you think is going to win that? Like we'll get to it later in the week, but I, I don't know, man. Oklahoma State might win that game. If Oklahoma State wins that game, Oklahoma might not even get a chance to play for the Big Twelve championship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Goodness gracious. Um, all right, what else we got? Uh, what Pac twelve? Pac twelve. Um, USC took care of business. They did. They did. That yeah. one is one. In retrospect, I, I picked Arizona State in our experts picks. Uh, in retrospect, I don't even necessarily think that's a horrible pick. I'm just impressed with the way USC went out and and sort of became a different team. I agree. It made me happy. I don't know why yeah. it made me happy, but I like I was fanning out late night Saturday night. I was just happy that this very talented USC team uh, was clicking on all cylinders. They needed that. They needed that performance in the worst way. They did. They yeah. got they got uh, three games left on the schedule. It's Arizona, a huge game against Arizona for the Pac-12 South, then at Colorado, and then UCLA for the finale. Uh, that was that was the performance they need with uh, with Heisman, Dark Horse, Khalil Tate coming to town. You think Khalil Tate can win this Heisman Trophy? I, I've said no. I mean, I don't think he can because he's out west and he's playing on the Pac-12 Network, and no one watches the Pac-12 Network except for you and me. Yeah, uh, that's the. That's the reason I don't think he can. I've, I'm, I gave like a on a Facebook show I did with, with uh, 24/7 guys. Um, I gave a hot take that if Arizona wins the Pac-12 South, Khalil Tate wins the Heisman. I don't know that I really believe that, though I do feel like that he deserves the Heisman 
maybe if he, if they win the Pac-12 South or certainly if they win the Pac-12. Like what he's doing is unbelievable. I know. If he does, and you know what? All right, so I think the Pac-12 championship is on a Friday night and the Heisman ballots are due the Monday after the conference championship games. Well, and, recency bias, hopefully. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that uh, like Pac-12 – Pac-12 playoff hopes are shot, but everyone tunes in anyway because we want to see this Khalil Tate guy. Maybe you've missed him, uh, you, but you saw that he ran for 300 yards against USC in uh, in early November, and then he just like I guess it would be Washington maybe, and he just lights Washington's defense up. I there was see a, it. there. I saw on Twitter last night. I guess Deshaun Watson had a big game. And I saw on Twitter last night some NFL reporter, I don't remember who it was, tweeted that he was trying to do an oral history on how Tom Savage was named the starter over Deshaun Watson to start the year, but no one would talk to him. I want to do an oral history on how Khalil Tate has been sitting on the bench for a year and a half and and figure out what in the world's going on there. Because this dude is unbelievable. And he is single-handedly saving Rich Rodriguez's job. Yeah. Rich Rodriguez was out of there, man. If if he hasn't, I mean, they, they're probably, if, uh, I don't know. They, they what, do, what do you think they go without Khalil Tate? Four wins? Five wins? They're five and seven. I mean. Five and seven. That yeah. sounds right. I think they're five and seven. And then what do you do with Rich Rodriguez? I guess he's not definitely gone, but he's, he's, it's tempting. It's um, a, it's it's an unhappy uh it's a, it's an unhappy relationship no doubt. But I I I it's still going to be a uh, a a big look at this remaining schedule. So we got the USC game that you just mentioned. Uh Oregon State, hey, can't hey, don't take Oregon State lightly. You mess around and beat Stanford. Uh but then at yeah, Oregon yeah, Stanford with freaking Keller mm. Crisp and no Bryce Love. What We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Put that on pause. At Oregon, at Arizona State's a tough finish. Is it? Oregon's not that good. I just Justin Herbert's out for the year, right? Yeah. I know that they won this. Oh no, well he played this week. All right, so my bad on that. Justin Herbert played this week. The uh, the Oregon the Oregon rushing no, I'm attack. Wrong. Never mind. I was looking at something different. I, so yeah, Oregon figured out their rushing game this week, but I don't I don't like they're. Look, I, I think if, if it's going to be a let's see who, who can score more points, I don't think Oregon can keep, keep up with Arizona. I think Oregon. And, can be, I think Oregon. I think that Royce Freeman, Tony Brooks, James, and uh, Benoit can keep. I think as a trio, they can keep up with Khalil Tate and JJ Taylor. Hey, I'm gonna ride with Khalil. I think. I think that game plays out like uh, the Colorado game. Remember Arizona, Colorado, forty-five, forty-two. But like Philip Lindsay ran for two hundred and sixty yards, but Khalil Tate ran for three hundred instead. Like it'll be one of those games. I mean, if what if what if uh, Arizona beats USC this weekend? Possible? No, a hundred percent possible. Very possible. And if they win that game then you're going to look at the rest of their schedule and you're going to pencil in three W's. I guarantee you are. 10 and a- 2 Arizona <laughs> <laughs> with losses to Houston and Utah. Mm. Uh, I mean, this is this is awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. I lo- <laughs> do you, are, I are, do you think that you love it because there's a part of you and I, I I think that I'm starting to come around on this too. There's just there's a part of you that misses a nasty Rich Rod team. 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, I, yeah. I look, I, I thought Rich Rod was like in, like, I, I, I felt like it was over. Like, I felt like he was like, like already before the season, he was making excuses by playing a bunch of true freshmen. Um, you know, they, that just the, like it just felt like it had come to a close there. They're losing assistant coaches to like Nebraska. You know, there's, there's just, it just felt like that thing was winding down. And I was, you know, I was sort of like, let's let Rich Rodriguez like, you know, die in peace for lack of a better, like, um, phrase. Yeah. (laughs) But now that he's got Khalil Tate. Heck yeah, man. I'm all about it. Like, th- you got a quarterback that can go for 300 on the ground any game. It's awesome. It's Pat White yeah. once again. That's what it and- is. That's it, Listen, Rich Rod, for a certain uh, window of college football fandom, Rich Rod's West Virginia teams were just the best. Yeah. Pat White and Steve like, Slayton. Like, like that- Rich, Rod was, Rich Rod was almost hit, like almost got hired at Alabama. Like, because, like, and he got hired in Michigan. Like, they, like, he was the coach that the biggest blue blood programs in all of college football wanted because of how awesome his West Virginia teams were. It's hard to remember that now that he's like floundering in Arizona. But now that we're getting this again with Khalil Tate at quarterback, it's, it puts a whole different perspective on what this Arizona team is. Oh, it's so awesome. All right, so what? All right, let's talk about Stanford messing around. Uh, Fifteen, fourteen. I can't even call them victorious, but they did not take a loss at Oregon State on Thursday. I had I, first of all, I didn't know. I picked them to cover. Did not know Bryce Love was out. I don't. I guess maybe no one knew until like right before the game. He got yeah. He got scratched like two hours before kickoff. Um. Look, you text you texted me that night, Chip, and you're you're like, what? I don't know what you said. Something like, what dirty laundry does Keller Christ have on on, <laughs> yeah. uh, on David Shaw? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think, you see what I'm seeing, man. You take it away. Like I don't. What in the world? Yeah, I think I think that uh, I think Keller Christ has a USB drive with some evidence. Well, he's got some dirt on David Shaw. I I I'm nervous that David Shaw hates this team just everything about it and i don't i don't know i'm i i've been a stanford fan and i i like stanford football and the brand and the identity that they create but this is like this is dysfunction and i don't like it um he, he i tell you he doesn't like because he doesn't like keller he doesn't like kj costello yeah uh, yeah there's something like he must not kj costello must not like I don't know. He, he must not listen in meetings. Like it really, yeah, it right. really like must be something. Or something. Yeah, like, it's, it's got to be something very, uh, like personality related. Because there's no way that just based on talent and performance that Keller Christ is the best option for Stanford football. There's no way. There's no way. He's and so bad. I I still I think that I think that David Shaw is one of the best head coaches in college football. However, if if this continues to 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 play out the way it is, I'm losing faith in him as a quarterback like guru. And mm. I don't like I think Stanford has been mis misrepresented as some like quarterback um, mecca uh, because they have they had Andrew Luck, 
they in what in Elway? Well, but I'm I'm talking about like recently. Oh. You know, like they're like maybe and maybe this is me more in the recruiting world. Like that, like in the recruiting world, with we think like oh, like the kid got an offer from Stanford, like he must be pretty good. But like because they man, they really know quarterbacks at Stanford. But in ult- in reality, like they've they've only really had Andrew Luck, and then they had a Kevin Hogan that had. He had an up and down career. He he sort of grinded it out long enough to where at the end of his career he was pretty good. Um, Kevin Hogan was a two term senator from Virginia. That dude was a politician. <laughs> <laughs> he just was there to serve his time, and and you know he he had some good good cycles and some bad cycles, but he was he was fine. He was Kevin yeah. Hogan. Yeah, and so ultimately, like, what are they hanging their hat on at the quarterback position? Like, they've gotten these big guys that all look alike, whether it's Ryan Burns or Keller Christ or, or, you know, they're all sort of out of this Andrew Luck sort of mold. But ultimately, how many of them have really been, like, how many of them have made Stanford's offense scary? None. Stanford's offense are scary because of, the, because of Chris McCaffrey, the offensive line opening up holes, their run game. But, like, I can't remember the last time I was like, man, that, that quarterback's going He's gonna pick this Pac-12 opponent apart. No, nah, man, that doesn't really happen. Mm-mm. And so I'm, I'm again, I'm just, I'm losing a little faith in like, if, if I'm sitting here looking at this, and my eyes are telling me that KJ Costello can can move the football with Stanford, and yet he's playing behind a Keller Chris that like is the most herky jerky, like like unrhythmic passer out there, and. I don't get it. Like I've been, I've been on the Stanford train. Like they can be the best team in the Pac-12. They can win the Pac-12. They can go into the, they can go into the Rose Bowl looking like a, a million bucks and, and blow somebody out. But I'm, I'm off it if Keller Chris continues to be the quarterback and he continues to look like he did against Oregon State. I miss me, by the way, with the the Bryce Love Heisman argument getting boosted. I get it. It does prove your value to the team, but. I don't think that's the takeaway from Stanford's 15-14 win against Oregon State. I think the takeaway is that this Stanford offense is woeful without Bryce Love. And for Stanford, we should consider Stanford more than just a team where uh, a Heisman contender plays and puts up a bunch of yards. We should be considering Stanford a championship caliber program. And if the offense is that bad without one player, then that says something about how – like you know, how championship caliber this really is behind the scenes. And it's all about, like, again, he's not, this is Keller, if, if Bryce Love's out, like, you can stack the the box against Bryce Love, and he can still crease you and, and go for 80, and then it's like, all right, well, there's, you know, that's that's that. But if, if he's out, and you stack the box, and you make Keller Chris beat you, you're going to win. Like they're gonna lose to somebody if that's the case. So I don't know. Bryce Love may play the rest of the year and, and keep on trucking, but Stanford ain't gonna win any games that are that are gonna turn any heads with, with Keller Christian there. Outside the power five, uh the South Florida that we finally got it. I got I feel relieved that we got the South <laughs> I Florida. I'm I know. so we can happy. Stop that waiting game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh Houston gets it done in the uh in the in the final seconds uh with the game winning score. Um, so, so what's the adjustment for, for, for South Florida now? Like, you're like, oh, well, they'll be competitive and the UCF game's going to be really fun. I, I still think UCF's going to be... Just blow the doors off of them? I, man, I think UCF's, like, really good. And I, I've never thought USF was really good. Um, my boys at Austin P made it, made it a half, made it a run for a half. They did. But, 
but UCF ultimately put up 73 on them, um, which is about par for the course for them. Oh, no. Uh, they, yeah, their score was matching all the uh, the exhibition scores they got going on in college basketball right now, where, like, right. North Carolina is right. playing Barton College and winning 73-33. to 33. Same score right. as UCF. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, I, I just – look, we can – I think we can stop – we a, a fraud was exposed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we can stop pretending like we can stop like like having the necessity of like talking about South Florida in like the New Year's Six picture or whatever. We can stop like you know putting South Florida on our top twenty-five weekly picks or I don't know. But it, it's just I, I'm 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 glad we can finish that charade of South Florida being you know an elite national team yeah that's done uh anything else from the notebook that you want to clear out meaty show today good work um you know i guess not i think that's about it fau still rolling oh yeah fau uh, is still rolling oh uh, oh i mean we kind of saved it for did we, we didn't talk about butch jones did we no no we didn't He's Kentucky, still Tennessee, saving <laughs> that for last. My man's still the coach right now, though. Yeah, it's Monday morning, about ten thirty a.m. Eastern time, <laughs> and uh, Butch Jones is still coaching Tennessee football. Incredible, man! The way they lose games over the over the years has been just just amazing. Are like, Tennessee bur- fans even more angry seeing Florida move while Tennessee is sitting around? Yeah, that's the big that that yes. Like that's the big deal. Like if 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 Florida like messes around and like has Scott Frost hired by like, you know, the the AAC Championship game, like he walks out of the AAC Championship game and says, "Thanks, I'm heading to I'm heading to Tennessee or I'm heading to Florida." Tennessee fans are going to be livid because here we are, you know, dragging our feet if, if you're John Curry and um, yeah, that's going to be look, man, y- y'all aren't getting John Gruden. Um, so you may need to start, start chipping away at somebody. Uh, Jared yeah, Guarantano is, played all right in this game. I'll Jared tell you Guarantano, what, you know, they had some Jared Guarantano, the best players on the field for Tennessee were Ty Chandler, their true freshman running back, Trey Smith, their true freshman offensive guard. And Jarek Guarantano played okay. I, I think he's got a little bit of some pocket presence issues. Yeah, he does. Uh, he starts <laughs> running around out there. He's he, he's not. He hadn't quite figured out how to like avoid sacks and and get rid of the football and and some some things like that. But you know, I'll credit him for for hanging in there and being tough and and uh, you know giving him a chance. Um. So Kentucky bowl eligible again. That's a win. Um. Not. Not going to win. Let's see. I'm going to say Kentucky wins two more games. You think they beat Louisville? I, uh, they, feel like, they feel like a team that will beat Louisville. All you do is kind of have a plan. Yeah. If you have a plan, you'll beat Louisville. Vanderbilt and Louisville, maybe. They got Mississippi, Vanderbilt, and Louisville left in addition to the Georgia game. I'm trying to see if I can get Kentucky to nine wins. <laughs> 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 we are – we like – quietly we're experiencing like the golden era of kentucky football i know which is insane because they don't even look that good you know like the tim 
really like what, what were those Tim Couch teams? Like how many games would they win? Like seven, right? Yeah, like, like seven won- or eight. Like they would they would uh, get in there, they'd make bowl games, and they would always challenge like the SEC East powers, but they never threatened for a division title. Right, and here we are, and Kentucky is like, you know, threatening. I mean, they're not going to beat Georgia, obviously, but they're threatening for like second place in the East. And and what they, they had nine last year, right? Did they have nine last year? Nine wins? No way. I thought they, they got in at six and six and then won their bowl game. Am I wrong on that? Uh, why do I think that they had a better season than that? Um, they had they went. So you're right. Okay, so they had, they were seven and six last year. Right. And if, and and if they like, but but ultimately still like. This is this team with Steven Johnson at quarterback slugging out, you know, yardage behind Benny Snell and throwing the occasional like wildcat pass with Lynn Bowden. And like this team is going to be like part of the greatest like Kentucky run in like (laughs) the last 20, 30 years. Like it's just weird. It's just like a weird dynamic here that this, but. Ultimately, it's a product of the SEC East being down. But, like, no one looks at Kentucky and is like, man, that's a really good football team. But here they are, and they're going to they're gonna sneak out an uh, eight-win season. When Hal Mommy was the head coach, Mike Leach was the offensive coordinator, and Tim Couch was the SEC player of the year, Kentucky was 7-5. and five. <laughs> <laughs> we this is it man <laughs> this is we are living in the glory years of kentucky football what about like the i mean what did rich brooks like i mean kentucky's had a couple sneaky you know i mean what did rich brooks do what did guy morris do like there's a couple good teams there would they just not um i don't know we're gonna need to, we're gonna need to get a kentucky historian on the show or rich, something all right, and, and so talk about where this stacks up rich brooks did get to four straight bowl games but never eclipsed eight wins yeah that yeah, we, this, this is this is the peak so he went so he rich brooks went eight five eight and five seven six seven and six yeah so we are we are on the verge of some uh some unprecedented success. <laughs> um, uh, so Arkansas avoided what would have been a really bad loss at Ole Miss. Uh, we started with some SEC coaching change talk. Over under, SEC teams that have a new head coach in 2018, over under three and a half. Uh, McElwain gone. Uh, Matt Luke gone, Kevin Sumlin gone. Ooh, okay. So you're quickly Which Jones over. John, so I'm over. All right. Wow. Because I, I think here's what I think. Everyone's been like praising Kevin Sumlin and the great job he's done. Man, the the knock on Sumlin has always been November, and here they are. It started like it started in October, and they lost to, to Mississippi State bad, and they're going to lose to LSU, and they might lose to Ole Miss, and like they're. They're going to be right back to where they're used to being, and that's a place that they've made very clear is not okay. And I, so I, I actually think Brett Bielema, regardless of what happens the rest of the way, it just doesn't feel like they're, they want him out of there. feels like they're going to give him another opportunity regardless. Uh, maybe next year he's on the hot seat. But uh, that, doesn't, that just doesn't feel, that doesn't feel like he's, he, he's you know, walking the plank to me. Nice. 
Interesting. I was I was also including Dan Mullen, Mississippi State in there with the idea that Dan Mullen might be gone. But that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, you, that's that's a great point, man. It's gonna be could be crazy. Could be six, I guess, if you go Tennessee, Florida, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A and M. I mean, there's no way this bottoms out for Gus, right? No. Yeah, and it's particularly because they're they're now hiring a new athletic director. They got to have someone to settle in and and you know actually fire him. We'll keep riding uh, the Gus bus for at least another season. <laughs> See how this goes. Um, yeah, should be interesting. Texas A and M, by the way, against those Auburn Tigers, that game in College Station uh, this Saturday. It is not the SEC game of the week in the SEC West. That will be Alabama and LSU. And as you'll hear as we continue to to preview the weekend ahead with Gary Danielson, um, hopefully Danny Cannell and others, uh, Barton will be in studio and I will be in studio for that. So stream that game if you uh, if you have the ability to. Whew. Meaty show. Great work. <laughs> yeah, go take a nap. Some water. <laughs> Hydrate. <laughs> Hydrate up. Uh, all right. Th- you can follow Barton on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Make sure that you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast because subscribers get them first. Barton, thank you very much. Sure.